0: Hello, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. I'm your host, Naziati momhad Yakub with another podcast on talk architecture. Last episode, um, we discussed about how it is important for a student or an architectural graduate to be able to hold a conversation, and that It's not just ticking the boxes sort of conversation. Yes, no. And stating and describing, it is more of an opinion, a point of view. And we discuss about how if you read a lot and you combine ideas that you get from maybe whatever facts that you discovered or readings And theories that people propose, or some other points of view, and analyzing and observing and analyzing and combining them and interpret them in a conversation, whatever topic it is, on anything really, you know, what are the topics that are current now, COVID 19 pandemic, and the problems that architects go through with that or the profession of architecture and what is the future in being an architect or, or even topical uh, topical, uh, topics such as sustainability, climate change, we are fed with a lot of information and we reflect and model over them and uh, think through you know, in our heads. I sort of gave an advice to students of architecture uh, in passing about recording your thoughts. And by doing an audio file, you could transcribe it and it's on paper, the writings of your thoughts. And you can see what you were thinking by reading them aloud again. It's not lost and it's not being forgotten. And this is a, a practical way because of this technology is available. So you could, you know, when you read out loud your thoughts, then you can go over, highlight the points, the important points in that talk. It's possible to do that with Clubhouse event as well. And if you're really interested in the topic, a lot of theories, a lot of propositions, um, hypotheses, and opinions are given out in such discussions by other people. In evening lectures, in the YouTube videos, you have closed captioning. You can just find those keywords and browse with those keywords and define those keywords and find articles relating to the keywords. This is the modern day or the current way of investigating a keyword, a phrase, a topic, and enriching oneself. In enriching oneself, one could actually um, have an opinion about something and hold a conversation. So this is a way of me continuing the last podcast discussion and going to this topic of um, another point that was given by our protagonists in the Clubhouse Event School of Architecture, Mr. Huat Lim, on the situation in our country and architecture education and the architectural graduates and students are being taught, are taught about the how and the what rather than asking the question why. You can't just ask only the what and the how. You have to also ask the question why, about a phenomenon, about a topic. Why does it happen? Why do students of architecture do not like to read? There were were quite a number of students who approached me and said, I just don't like to read. And it could be for a lot of reasons. And it could also be a smart person who think that, no, I'm not going to take this disciplines that I have to do a lot of reading. I'm just going to do architecture because there's a lot of drawing in it. <coughs> that could be that reason, but there could be other reasons. So <coughs> engagement is important engagement between the employee and the employer, engagement between the uh, workers with each other in a design team. When you're in a comp- architecture company, you need to engage. There you know, should be some connection, at least a connection or a working colleague congenial relationship so that you can get the work done. And there is engagement with the employer. You cannot be scared with the employer, your boss, because you need to engage. So by not knowing the reason why, only, okay, hello, you got to do this project and then what it is, what the project is about and how to go about it. That's all you are concerned with. But no, the cons- that is not enough and that, it's not enough to be to enable you to engage so early on in the first year of architecture school you have to ask the question why it's not enough to ask the question how and what yeah so you can engage with your tutors once you engage with your your, your other students in you able to engage with your tutor it's not just you two just said you gotta do this project and then you deliver and you say what it is and then how you went about it, but you don't know why that project is important, why that project, why have that topic at all? That engagement was not done. Because then that this the question why always something to do with the personal, the personal perspective. When one is connected, you know, there's these words, right, engagement, connection. When one is connected to that topic in a personal way, then the floodgates will open. The understanding, the whole learning objective will start to fall into place. This is very true. For the highest level of education that we know that is happening, which is like doctoral level, PhD, it is like a prerequisite to ask the question why, because fundamentally a thesis, a hypothesis based on theories, asks the question why. That's why theories are made. Then you come to the master's level. And asking the question why would help you a lot and putting things in place on the theoretical framework, on the conceptual framework, which is being asked more and more by your supervisors, by the examiners. And then you go to the degree level. Why not ask the question why? Because when you start at a degree level, asking the question why, knowing what, why it is important to learn theory. To be able to theorize, to be able to put out a thesis, a hypothesis at the degree level, even in secondary school, you'll have a bunch of people who will eventually be able to be leaders and innovators. That is a given. You don't have to wait until their PhD. What are you going to do with them when they're in secondary school? They will not be a rebellious arnicists, well, you know, we can't help it if there are, but, you know, just because they ask the question why, it is never too early to be someone who can debate and argue. In fact, sometimes it is the bread and butter of it all to have this confidence built up year after year in which they could have a voice to speak up further on what lim in in the previous session i think that that session which we had on post aa school um when he <coughs> is critical about why in malaysia you don't ask the question why and the engagement is not there and he said that because people when they look at something they try they kind of emulate or kind of replicate something that they see but they don't know why they are doing it this is very dangerous from the beginning in the first year one should go for innovation it's true that in bloom's taxonomy bloom's taxonomy is applicable to a generic way uh, to all the uh learning courses. When you apply Bloom's taxonomy, you don't only, only apply that. There's also Kolb theory in pedagogy. And architecture essentially is about the Kolb's theory on the whole process of doing something and learning from it and doing something and the iteration that goes on it and accumulated over the years and you will build on something. So... What Lim mentioned that they don't know why they're doing it. For example, biomimicry and all these biophilia things. Now, he was giving that example of the building envelope, the building skin, maybe a high-rise building. And someone wants to say, a designer mentioned that the skin of the building should be um, look like feathers. So here what said that in this designer wanted to emulate the physical attributes of a bird so that it looked like feathers. But then when you think about do you think about the bird and do you know whether the feathers have a reason for, you know maybe the reason to fly to be lightweight and why do you want to Do you want, he would ask to the designer, to make the facade or the skin of the building fly? Why the feathers? So this is an obvious example that what uh, pointed out when we talk about biomimicry. Just because there's biomimicry doesn't mean that you need to copy nature blindly. You need to ask the question, why again? You're going to do biomimicry. And then this topic um, is um, this concept of doing architecture or in a design approach, biomimicry. Biomimicry exists in all disciplines, not only architecture. So you decide that that's what I'm going to do. And you explored it. Have you actually defined what biomimicry is? And then have you actually define what feathers are. Definition or unpacking the topic or unpacking a subject matter is a, f- a way of theorizing, a way of using theory in architecture. And it shouldn't be, um, uh, what do you call it, only the artistic process. It should also be the scientific process that once unpack something, unpack a term such as biomimicry. You know, If you're doing an artistic process, you just want to draw the feathers and then you sort of draw the um, building with feathers. So that is art. So you belong to the art college or you want to be an artist or an illustrator. But if you are in an architecture course and wanting to be an architect or wanting to convince your client or wanting to actually um, get the project done and communicate with the contractor to build it, you are in this application, technology application or applied science. You're dealing with science basically, you know, meaning that uh, how – uh, meaning that it it's it is not just an expression like in art, but it is a doable expression that will have people living in it using that building. There are the users. Then you go back to Vitruvian principles of utility, strength, and aesthetics. Right, uh, utilitas, firmin, firmitas, venustas. Yeah. So. Yes, venustas is about aesthetics, so you're talking about art, but what about utilitas, utility and strength? So architecture straddles between arts and humanities and science. So so everything that you do will need to have the reason why, because scientific evidence or scientific uh, exploration does that to do with finding out why. The empirical method. Have I said enough already with regard to holding a conversation in last podcast and also asking complete questions, asking it completely when you start doing a project is not only the how and the what but also the why. And it all comes back together. I would like to put myself in the shoes of that student who is interested in feathers. I would like to study the bird and how the feathers are necessary for the bird to fly. I would just go into try to find out more about feathers. It could lead to other skins. It could lead to a a reptile. It could lead to, you know, skins. Yeah, It could relate to reptiles and how they keep warm their cold-blooded creatures and their skins. But are those skins or those coverings need to be drawn similar on a building, when we talk about a building, utility, functional, functionality, strength, aesthetics, I would give it a um, benefit of a doubt, yeah? I'm not gonna do a brick facade with the glazed windows. I'm going to do a facade that breathes, a facade that shields from the rain and open up when you need to, to let in air in. And then couple with that, the problem of a high-rise building, how would my facade or the skin of the building be able to be interactive to the, mo- the different temperatures? So you see, that is holding a conversation because I'm thinking through, I have to record this. A student of architecture, record everything that you see so that then you see your thinking patterns and that text that you are, you know, we want to argue, test it out with your tutor. That is a work in progress. You're not going to get it um, right at the beginning. Then sketch it out and, you know, sketch it out and talk about it. and and see whether you can engage with your tutor. Your tutor's responsibility is to actually ask you how much you know, what you know, whether you can start, whether there is a narrative, whether you actually studied enough to actually, to be able to um, engage other people after that, because first is the engagement with your tutor, then subsequently your engagement with others. And then you go to another year where you engage with another set of tutors and then others. And then eventually, you know, so this confidence that you build after each semester is necessary. So you build up confidence of speaking, obviously. It's a two way street. So we've done that and... um, We'll talk about other points that's been discussed at the Clubhouse event regarding theory of architecture and the different skills and competencies that one would need when one is student of architecture and a graduate architect. And this two um, podcasts, last one and this one, necessitate the idea of holding a conversation or the skills to hold a conversation to talk about a certain idea, concept, any stage of design. And that is theory and practice coming together, um, drawing drawings and verbalizing about what your thoughts are necessary in this day and age, and um, meeting people, meeting the clients, and able to present your case verbally is essential in this day and age. And although in schools of architecture, you are studying, you are doing your studio work, but you also have to do other modules. It has to feed into your architectural projects. At the end of the day to be relevant and your learning is is actually complete, so we don't want your employers telling you that whatever you've learned in school is, it's nothing or is bullshit, whatever it is. And don't dream and wake up and the business is here. We don't want that sort of thing. Um, where the employer said, forget what you've been taught in schools, because imagining you were in school for five years and your employers, after a couple of months, this, See that you are not really there in terms of being the employee that they want. We're talking about the sensible employer, any employer, not any eccentric or the 0.01% employers. We're talking about any employer. And after a couple of months, they would know whether this the person they employed in their company. Is someone who able to, to hold a conversation, able to communicate with them. Yes, we know there's employers who don't want to communicate with you. So it's up to you whether you want to still be employed with that employer, you know, what sort of learning, what sort of um, life or value you want to add to your life. It's up to you really where you want to be employed. You And, People make decisions about being employed wherever they are. But this is in general, where you can actually hold a conversation and solve a problem, draw the problem out, and actually communicate with other people, other employees, and also the boss. So when your employer can see that you can do that and you can actually communicate with your client, communicate with the other consultants, hold a meeting, understand and comprehend what other people say and interpret and summarize, then, you know, your employer will feel good that they actually paid for your salary that month. But of course, there's more to to it than that in being a human being, you want to have satisfaction with what's happening, right? So, okay. So um, for this podcast, I hope that we we get to relate this importance of the of how one should be able to hold a conversation and the importance of engagement. So thank you very much for listening.